When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. See yourself here. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am delighted to be joined by Sean Connolly. I'm sounding a little bit croaky, Sean. You might have to help me out today. Um, <laughs> we might be joined by our Celtic Down Under pal, Jared Hill, and possibly even by Liam Carrigan to talk about all things Celtic. But before we get into that, Sean, I want you to give me the lowdown on um, our Australian adventures. Tell us from the other side of the world what it was like, um, you know, during that that Sydney Cup experience. Oh, it was great. Uh, and look, we we have a lot of... Personally, in Perth, I have a lot of good experience with supporters club stuff. Uh, I gather during the lockdown, I don't know if this is official or not, that we were like the second biggest supporters club, second biggest attended in the world during the lockdowns. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I heard uh, just after Los Angeles. So I'm used to having quite a good party with the, the Celtic crew down here. So it was pretty good out in Sydney. Uh, big commute for me. Uh, it was a big five-hour flight, so three-hour time difference. So it's kind of the same as someday in Scotland going to Turkey for a game to watch Celtic so it's not really wasn't exactly around the corner for me but it was good it was well worth to catch up with other guys and see them and I've never been to Sydney before so I got to do all the tourist things and 
going to the supporters club in the middle of the day and meet a lot of people that listen to podcasts. It was good. Uh, the only thing, they had a lot outside the ground. So you had like food stalls, bars, entertainment, live music, a lot of stuff on. Uh, the only thing that they, they really let themselves down with was moving the kickoff to the middle of the day, or not, mm. to 2.45 when the sun is absolutely blasting and they didn't have any uh, sunscreen stations set up. So uh, it's kind of fading just now, but I managed to... Sc- I had sunscreen on my face, but I scorched my scalp because I didn't have a hat on. Uh, Jared and John both got burnt as well. Oh, dear. That's maybe why Jared's a wee bit late to the party today. Here he is, though. Here is the big fella. How are you doing, Jared? Oh, getting there. How are you? I'm good, mate. Although it might sound as though my voice is intermittent. It's not my Wi-Fi signal. It's just that for some reason, um, I'm losing my voice. Maybe someone's trying to tell me that I need to shut up. Um, Sean was just regaling us with the, the Celtic experience coming over to Oz. Jared, what about yourself, mate? How did you enjoy it? Uh, it's right up there. It's been a while, so yeah, really enjoyed it. It was, um, needs to happen more often, whether it's here or go to Japan or go wherever. But yeah, first time in 11 years in Australia. It was surreal. As I was saying on our podcast earlier today, it was a little... um. Surreal, not sitting at home watching the players, but seeing the amount of work the four, the forward three in particular do off the ball, mm. the pressing and actually seeing like there was a moment where I got Sean, hang on, Jota is in front of me, he's on the TV screen, so it was uh, it's good to see. Oh, definitely. I mean, you do speak about that, obviously, uh, for the vast majority of the games I'm covering them for, a Celtic state of mind, I'm watching them on a TV screen, and it is a completely different experience, you're right, and often you would sit and uh, watch various different players, their movement off the ball, um, and yeah, I think you appreciate it a lot more when you're at the game, and it's something I'm missing uh, quite a bit this season, actually, and since we've come back after the lockdown, um, but I totally agree with you, Jared, um, it's a discussion we've had on Axon, we need to keep this going this is for me us almost reigniting the relationship with Australia and our Australian fan base but we need to keep nurturing it don't we we need to keep feeding that it can't just be once every decade exactly and it's not just the Australian fans like we've got a guy who helps with our Facebook page and he's come over from New Zealand for it and then there was guys from Singapore CSC there was guys from Japan came down for it there was a a supporters club from Papua New Guinea didn't even know they existed. They came over for it. So it's all everyone in the area. There was people from Auckland, New Zealand. I met the guys from Christchurch in New Zealand as well. So then you had got the Perth CSC, Adelaide, Wyala. The three Melbourne CSCs were there. The two Sydney ones were there. The Brisbane and Gold Coast, they had people down there. Ran into people from all of them. So it was like, it's not just the locals in Sydney. It was just anyone in the area, come, come one, come all. Brilliant. And did you manage to um, take some of your Celtic down under flags and distribute them amongst some new fans, perhaps? Uh, there was a couple. A couple went. I think, I think five of them have disappeared somewhere. I think Sydney CSC got one, Adelaide got one, and the other three, I don't know, they're out and about. Superb. Listen, Sean, you mentioned something about people coming up and saying they enjoy the show. There's nothing better than hearing people saying that and I mentioned I've not been on a great deal since last week but I did mention that last week down in Manchester 
I was approached by quite a few people in the room uh, that night talking about how much they, they love a Celtic state of mind. Uh, we put out a wee mailer this morning to some people who may not tune in on a regular basis, but if you are watching for the first time, then subscribe to the channel on YouTube. We are heading towards 20,000 subscribers on there, and we partner up with Celtic Down Under. Um, have you hit 1,000 yet, Jared, on your YouTube channel, mate? Not quite. That's, You're getting that's there. The, by the end of the year. Still, yeah. We're still a bit short, but... That's the target. Let's get Celtic down under up to a thousand and Axom up to twenty thousand. There will be a rebrand on the YouTube channel. It will be Axom only, a Celtic state of mind only, all Celtic content, and we'll be moving all the other material on a separate channel. That will be happening over the next couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, by that time, I'll have my voice back. We are inviting you to get involved in the chat. That's what it's all about: getting you guys involved. Like Sean was saying, you bump into people who listen to the show. It's part of their routine. Some of them watch it. Understandably, some of them don't actually watch it. They just listen to it. I get that, right? Um, out walking the dog or on the treadmill or whatever it is they're doing. Um, but there's actually something tangible to talk about today, Sean. Just before we get or go online, and uh, Declan McConville it drops the story into the uh, Axon WhatsApp group to say that uh, Yuki Kobayashi has signed five-year deal. Got a couple of emails from the club as well. We knew it was happening, but it is refreshing to know that we're just getting the business done early again, aren't we? Yeah, and Andrew's speaking about it uh, just like yesterday, I think. Uh, it's hard to tell sometimes what day these interviews exactly come out because of our uh, time differences, but uh, he was saying that he, it's really just what he wants to do. He, he can't be annoyed with these last-minute things. He obviously gave the exception of the Matt O'Reilly deal from last year because that one just presented itself and was done within three days. Yeah. He said other than that, he wants the deals basically lined up so that these guys are coming in already. And if you read the Celtic presser uh, in the last uh, 20 minutes or whenever it came out, uh, they've said that uh, he's joining up with the squad on the 1st of December, uh, even though he's not actually going to be eligible to play until the 1st of January or whatever the, the January transfer window opens, I should say. So mm -hmm. he he's going to have a month of training with the squad before he even gets a chance to play, so he could be straight into that potential. I doubt it would be, but he could potentially be straight into the Glasgow Derby. Oh, wow. Um, here's a wee quote actually from the, the press release. I will be giving everything to try and be successful with the club right across the world. Just what we're talking about, Jared. Everyone knows what a special club Celtic is. And it will be a real honour to wear this fantastic jersey. Now, I know that when people sign, they're not going to say, you know, I didn't really want to sign. Celtic aren't a, a fantastic club. But it's always great to hear that, Jared, that he's embracing uh, the worldwide um, attraction of Celtic Football Club. He's talking about the jersey. We love the jersey, don't we? 22-year-olds... Um, uh, brilliant bit of business we're picking him up on a five year deal no transfer fee it's a no brainer and and what I enjoyed uh, Jared a couple of weeks ago uh, your Celtic down under um, compadre Liam was talking about Mo Itakura and he was a player we were getting a bit excited about maybe a year ago a year and a half ago and he reckons he's a better prospect than him um, so very very happy with this bit of transfer business what's your thoughts? Oh, I'm excited for it everything I've seen is um Exactly the sort of centre-back we need. Like, he's a natural ball-playing centre-back. Um, the next evolution, I've said this, Sean can Sean can vouch for me, the next evolution is the, the long diagonal ball in Andrew's system mm. out to the wings. And if you've watched his highlights on YouTube, boy, does he like to find that right winger with the left boot from the centre-back position. So if you've got someone as quick as a barter out there, it uh, could get exciting. 
Oh yeah, it's one of the the moves, Sean. Although it sounds pretty basic, but to actually execute it, you need that distribution from the back. And I think that uh, Jens has shown quite a bit of that. Um, he likes to play the ball into Taksibanovic. Cameron Carter-Vickers can pull one out as well. So to bring another ball-playing defender in who can kind of cut through that midfield, you know, cut through the defence, get them on the back foot and find a winger as well. Um, and, you know, as Jared said, this is the evolution of Ange Postacoglu. We're moving into uh, a year and a half plus since he came to the club. Um, and he is slowly but surely transforming this side. We're going to be talking about the, the midterm report, if you like. But someone sent me yesterday or the day before uh, the lineup for Celtic um, when we were playing one year ago and it was incredible. Let me just bring this up actually on my phone. Um, and we were talking about uh, the evolution of the side, evolution of Ange. Here we go. Let me just bring this line up. This was one year ago, uh, less than a year ago when we played Real Betis and we lined up as uh, follows. Now I know they were given some French players a game this night but it was Scott Bain, uh, Uruguide, Nier Beton, Stephen Welsh and Liam Scales. Uh, we had Soro and McCarthy in the middle with Abada, Shaw, Montgomery uh, ahead of them and a Yeti leading the line. Um, and when you look at that side, we've still got Welsh, we've still got McCarthy, we've still got Abada, uh, one of whom would probably be a, a kind of first pick. But it does show that evolution, Sean, of Ange Postacoglu's Celtic side. Yeah, there's a few of them out on loan that are due to come back, but I don't expect to really be cracking the first team when they do. Uh, the likes of um, Shaw and Montgomery, I don't see them getting anywhere near the team. Uh, Scales is a different question. No, he is actually, I think he was always on the fringe. I'm not sure uh, he may or may not actually get a crack at it when he comes back. Um, somebody's mentioned in the comments uh, what it means for Welsh. Uh, I could see Welsh going on loan potentially, mm. or maybe even... The, the problem is we're kind of getting to a point now where we're almost more of a Japanese team than a, than a Scottish team. Uh, and that could be a bit of an issue for uh, European squad makeup uh, when you have to have, a, what is it, six or eight, I can't remember now, homegrown players, where four of them have to have been from your own academy. Uh, so that could be problematic. I believe someone like, does Turnbull qualify? He does is one of the non, one of the ones that we've not had on our own books, but... So you, you kind of have to, it was a squad of 25 and eight of them have to be. So we do need to kind of keep an eye on that with these players, with Lit Welsh. Oh, definitely. It does lead on to the, the Welsh, the question about Welsh. Also the question about Jens, what do we do with him? Um, apologies for the voice, anyone who's tuning in, I sound a bit like Darth Vader. Um, I don't know why, I've not been singing, which is unusual for me at the weekend. Um, but also Jens, do we make his deal permanent? I'm keen to get people's thoughts on this because I understand there might be a few newbies coming in to check out what Axom's all about. The Godfather, Celtic have just announced the signing, uh, Yuki Kobayashi, subject to international clearance. Absolutely delighted with that uh, announcement in Urban Culture. We are about three players short of being a very good side. You know this? I was thinking that during the, the Champions League run, Jared. I was looking at the, the margins, you know, the fine margins of what uh, would have turned something really tight into a win. Um, and I did think maybe three, four players, like top quality players, away from being a fantastic side. But from what we've seen and what we've heard, uh, Kobayashi could be the first of the, the new breed that, that's coming in. Um, do, what? How far do you think we are away from being that, that right good side that can make an impression in Europe, Jared? Depends what the um, 
what the goalposts are in terms of making the impression. Is it talking about Champions League coming through as, as the third place team and going on a good run in the Europa League? Or is are we talking about trying to finish top two in our group in the Champions League? Because it depends on what we're what our what our goals are here, the mm. levels that we're looking at. Because yeah, Kobayashi seems like a good fit for the defense. The other thing in the Champions League is we didn't really have Carter Vickers for that. Mm. But the talk is our centre backs were a bit iffy. Well, if Kobayashi turns out to be the player that everyone hopes that he could be, and you've got Carter Vickers, there's your right centre back and your left centre back sorted. So then the next two positions are central midfielder, central defensive midfielder, so a number six, and a striker, European-level striker. And there's rumours kicking around, and I said it on our pod earlier as well, that if we could get him back, I know wages and all this stuff, but if we could get him back on a free... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. You bring back Moussa Dembele. There's your European level striker. Then you just need someone to give Calmac play Calmac's position so you can free him up if need be. So... If you do that, the wingers are fine. The left and right back's fine. If Juranovic moves on, we're going to get money. We'll be able to replace him like for like. So talk is that possibly looking at that Yan Kuto again for the right back, right. who was apparently rated better than Juranovic anyway. So there's an upgrade. So realistically, I think it's get those three up the spine and we're all set. Listen, um, Jared has thrown a massive grenade in with Dembele, Sean. We, it would be rude not to discuss that. It would definitely be discussing that. Urban culture reckons we can build a team capable of winning the Europa League. And to be fair, when you watch the, the Champions League performances and the performances of another club in that particular competition not that long ago, then I think that is the first kind of, um, for me, the first objective, Sean. Progress in the second tier tournament, perhaps. Do you think that's realistic? Well, I'll, um, whenever I, this conversation comes up, the two teams that I always say we should be, uh, we, we should have the same kind of limits of the teams like Ajax and Porto. So Ajax got the Champions League semis and I know that was really an extraordinary uh, out of, you know, an extraordinary effort from them. But then every 10 years or so, someone like Ajax or Porto will get to that stage. So, you know, and I know that's really one in a hundred kind of thing, but they do regularly get deep in Europa League, uh, as you say. So we should, they should be the benchmark, but they, well, certainly in terms of what our potential ceilings are, but they do do things differently from us. They do have less pressure to win their domestic league every year. Uh, in terms of signing someone like Moussa Dembele, um, wage structure would be an issue. Uh, the only thing I could think of that would avoid breaking the wage structure if we gave him an absolutely silly signing on fee of the, that would be basically the transfer fee for an equivalent player. So if we paid him like, I don't know, six million pounds signing on fee and just kept him within the wage structure, that might be able to keep everyone happy in that sense. Uh, alternatively, uh, I don't know, you might get some discontent, but uh, they do say never get back with your ex, but 
Musa has really kept in touch with the the club, and I love that uh, he, he pops up on Twitter every time we we beat Sevco. It's it's very uh, endearing. He has endeared himself massively <laughs> since leaving the club. There is no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, in your head, you've always got the best Celtic team that you've ever seen as a fan. And Mings was um, pretty samey for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, Fraser Foster comes along and you think, right, he's the best goalie I've seen in a Celtic jersey. Dembele comes in and I'm thinking, how do I break up the, the forward partnership? Because I've seen a lot of good strikers. But he's up there. He definitely is up there as one of the best strikers I've seen at Celtic. And I always did feel there was a wee bit of unfinished business with Mr Dembele. Not that he left too early. I think he left at the right time. But there was the whole fallout with Rogers, the the mooted move to China, there was all that kind of stuff happening, and I I think to myself, you know, we still had him before he hit his prime. Uh, he's went away. He's he's had loads of success. Um, he's won a, a league in, in Spain. He's he's been a great player for Lyon, and I just think, you know what? Come back, come back, Musa. All is forgiven. Um, Paddy Lavery's back in the chat. Afternoon, all. He's wearing an Axom tracky top, which is fantastic. Uh, great to see. And also Patrick uh, Harold. Afternoon, comrades. Uh, Joseph, I don't know where it's come from, Joseph. But last week was quite busy. We were doing in Manchester at the awards ceremony, and um, which obviously all the listeners got us there by voting for us. And then on Friday night, I had a night with Sean Ryder. Maybe that's why my throat's a bit ropey. You don't have a Friday night with Sean Ryder without coming away uh, with uh, an injury or two. Daniel F., here we go. Could Ange be the first Celtic manager that's made our inept board be proactive rather than reactive? Incredible stuff from the the manager. It's a great point uh, by Daniel Jared because we have been... uh, Massive critics of the Celtic board on Axon for the last five years. Um, but in one manager, we've seen an incredible turnaround in the culture of the club. And that, that's actually extended to the, the higher levels of the club, uh, who seem very, very proactive. We're getting the bodies in early, things we weren't doing before. What a man. And Jez, and what a job he's doing. Yeah, it's um, this grin on my face when you were saying that, Paul, was pretty simple because it's like, we told you so, like, he's not the sort that's going to take... I'm sitting there going, yep, told you so, because he's not the sort that's going to take a, an answer he doesn't like from the board. Like, they come in and say, this is what it is, and he goes, no, this is what I need. And early days, he um, goes, there's someone not getting... not understanding the urgency of needing to get players in. I think it was after the Michelin game or whatever. And then Don McKay was out the club not long after that. And then on top of that, you're so, talking about being proactive... Peter Lawwell's left as well. So you take, you look at it in that regard, and it's just a perfect storm. You get someone who likes to forward plan like Ange, and he's used to having to forward plan because of salary caps over here. Mm-hmm. So it's okay, how much money? What's my budget? How can I spend it? Who am I gonna who am I gonna let go so that I can fund three positions off one, which is what he's talking about with if Juranovic was to move on, then that's what he'd be looking at doing. So he's used to that sort of situation. And then you've got the guy who used to count every penny like it was coming out of his own pocket out the door as well. And, yeah, it looks like it's a perfect storm for us. It is, and long may it continue. Someone came in. I'm not bringing the comment up. They're talking about what you're going to do when Ange leaves. Come on. Ange isn't finished yet. He's just getting started, you know. Uh, Beach Boys, Celtic should be doing world tours, Australia, Asia and USA every three years. 
we we've been talking on the on the show for a long time about how we can really um you know tap into the the fan base and engage with the the global fan base that uh, Kobayashi mentioned in his in his first interview with Celtic and there's some great ideas one of which Jared I'll let you wax lyrical about um how we could do a lot more in terms of you know building apps and, and content that that would um you know bring these fans closer to us we can't have fans from all over the world buying season tickets but what they can do is invest in other ways they can invest by having a a, a global membership for example that gives you the benefits of things like um, apps with archives it's something that you've been banging a drum about for ages Jared yeah 100% we've been talking about it I've spoken about it on Axon before I've spoken about it on the Soak Down Under podcast it's one of those things where us over here in Australia the only way we can really support our club other than them coming over here is by Signing up to Celtic TV, buying merch, and that's pretty much it. So I would rather if – and then a lot of people, you know, they don't want to get Celtic TV because it's pretty rubbish. The service, what you get, Sean can talk on this because he, he's got Celtic TV. That's <sighs> hit and miss. So <laughs> Mostly miss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So looking at it that way, if one of your two main ways of earning money from your fan base over here is rubbish, how are you going to support your club? You can only buy so much merch. And then if I buy if I buy all of it, my missus will think I've got a problem because I'm buying more <laughs> clothes than this. I can't do that. So it's one of them things where what I was saying to you guys is if we build an app and you're based on something like what the World Wrestling Federation did or WWE, what they did, which they they're called the WWE Network. And what they had on there was – they couldn't show the live games because of TV things, but then, or the live shows, but then they'd upload it like five days later or something like that. So you'd get the weekly shows on there. For us, you could get the live streams on there because we're like what your current Celtic TV feed is. You could put it into the app. But at the same time, you're getting the women's games, you're getting the Colts games, you're hearing about the academy, you're getting interviews with the coaches, you're getting, um, you know, major games on this day. And they upload a game that happened on this day 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And you can have uh, big games, like culturally significant games for the club, things that were big moments, like stopping the 10. Put up a few of those games there. Or put the Seville game up there if you want. Things like yeah. that. People over here who aren't there day in, day out to go and see it can jump onto this app and go, oh, yeah, it's my lunch break. I've got an hour. Oh, what's on here that I could look at? I'd do that on my lunch break. Yeah, I'm mad for Celtic. It's like <clears throat> if they had something like that, I would pay the twenty quid or the twenty dollars or thirty dollars a month, whatever that Celtic TV costs, if it's quality and I'm getting all this extra value. But at the moment, it's not worth it. No, and, and you know this. You watch Celtic TV. I remember some time ago. I can't remember what they called it, Sean, but they did have an archive on the the website for a while and it, it harked back to a lot of the, pub, the, the the productions that they did when it was Channel 67 even as far back as that many documentaries about ex-players in-depth long-form interviews with ex-players um, they've got a massive archive and they could drop all that onto this app as well it's something it seems like a no-brainer I don't really know why the club wouldn't do it Sean yeah, oh, look, Celtic TV is an absolute shambles. Uh, it was good for that one, sorry, it was passable for the one year when uh, COVID was in Scotland and they had to step up. But other than that, it's just, uh, 
It's basically just like a handheld camera sitting on a shaky table with some loose cables because the, the coverage cuts out like two, three, five times every game, to be totally honest with you. Uh, and we kind of briefly touched about it in our WhatsApp chat about uh, what Celtic could be doing, should be doing and aren't doing in terms of in- engaging with the worldwide support. Uh, what they are doing is engaging with worldwide marketing. They do not engage with the worldwide support. Uh they don't. I've never heard of anyone uh, being reached out to by anyone from Celtic to get their kind of feelings on what they would like to see. Um, for example, if they'd asked us, when's a good time to come to Australia? Yeah, obviously this is perfect with the World Cup, but hey, uh, come during the school holidays, right? We have two weeks off school in July. You'd like mm-hmm. get an extra 10,000 people, easy, just because of that. Uh, what about how else can we make some more, more money? Uh, why don't we stick a, a Sydney Derby on in the... On in the Saturday, and then we'll have Celtic or Celtic Everton on in the Sunday. Bang, me and Jared, we're going to two games instead of one. That's two tickets instead of one. Yeah. Do you know I mean, like, you just ask these simple questions to people. It doesn't, if you only listen to the marketing departments, you're not going to get the answers you want. They should really be reaching out and really diversifying their thinking. I, I felt like, uh, a few, I feel like there was a, a little bit of it coming in with Don McKay, and I don't know what else went wrong there with that. Like, I felt he actually was listening, and then who knows what was happening beyond him listening, uh, to be honest. I guess there's a difference between listening and implementing. But, there, you know, they could definitely be doing so much more uh, rather than just listening to whatever marketing freelance comes up to them. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And, you know, in terms of Axom's output, we are going to increase that. Um, substantially over the next year because, I mean, it's one of these things, the support we've had from everybody that tunes in has put us on a platform uh, that, I mean, last week it was a wee bit surreal, Jared. You're, you're sitting in a room with all these well-known kind of celebrity broadcasters and all this kind of thing, and you're sitting at that kind of table because the Axon viewers have, have voted for you and tuned in on a regular basis. I mean, we're in the uh, the midst of a World Cup, so you expect things to settle down for a couple of weeks, and that's understandable, but we still have the hardcore tribe coming in and watching the, the broadcast on a daily basis, which is great. Donny Boy, I am sorry again for the, the fact that I do sound as though I've been smoking 40 fags a day for 40 years, but there you go. Um, unfortunately, when you have a night out with Sean Ryder, um, you're going to feel a bit ropey. And it was nothing to do with that. He was on the Prosecco and I was on Pepsi. But there you go. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, because these are both in Australia, um, there's a few teams, obviously, that I'm interested in through the Celtic connection. And I know that Maeda started for Japan today. um, And all the best to him. France 4, Australia 1. However, come to you first, Jared. You opened the scoring. What was your reaction? I was too busy snoring when that happened, so there was no reaction <laughs> for me. Forgot we were playing, to be honest with you. And then all of a sudden, I look at it and I'm like, "Oh, it's half time. Okay, chucked in the second half." Oh, kidding me! I expected to get done by, by five goals. That was what I mm. said. A couple of mates. So the fact that we only lost by three, small victories. Yeah, so we're all champions. You're up against. I mean, Sean, um, you're, you're looking at. Uh, Australia, you're looking at uh, Aaron Moy, you're, you know, all these different uh, dynamics. And um, the other thing that I was quite interested in is Olivia uh, Giro scores a couple of goals. And he has spoken about in his autobiography, no less, as a 23 year old, he came very close to signing for Celtic. He wanted to sign for Celtic. Um, and then I think it was the president of uh, the club started slagging off Kilmarnock and uh, he decided to sign for Montpellier instead. But every time I see him, um, 
um, with that beautiful beard of his. I, th- I always think back to that time we almost signed him. Uh, fantastic. What was your thoughts and how do you think Australia will do in the rest of the games, Sean? It's so hard to kind of forecast these uh, these signings before they're big names. You know, your Tonys and your Giroux. Uh, for everyone it owes, there's an Amido Baldi that, you know, you thought was going to be good, but turns out to be an absolute dud. Mm. It, it really is difficult to predict. And if we can get, you know, so now and again you do get them your Dembele and Larson where you did hit on it and uh, yeah you can reflect back on it in terms of Australia at the World Cup to be honest like this squad is really poor uh, you had it's, there's like four I think four players that are basically came turned up for Australia because they were never going to be good enough to get a game for Scotland and like Martin Boyle Jason Cummings players like that so you basically got Jason Cummings up against Kelly and Mbappe last night and Sometimes teams can pull off a shock. He's in Saudi Arabia against Argentina, but uh, really, this is the poorest Australia World Cup squad that's been at a World Cup. That I could, but I'm pretty confident in saying that. Uh, and if they do manage to pull something off, I'd be quite surprised, to be totally honest with you. But I'll oh. enjoy it. I enjoyed it. was quite a surprise they went 1 0 up. There was, I really enjoyed seeing the, the fan square reactions. It's all very entertaining, you know. And I'll definitely support Australia since Scotland aren't there. Yeah, I, I was asked that question last week at the ceremony, you know, um, who who's going to win the World Cup? I said, well, I don't know who's going to win it, but I'm certainly supporting Australia, uh, Jared. So I did you proud last week, my friend. And there's a few other wee things. Yesterday, I'm sitting here with Stuart, who's a wee bit younger. Well, actually, he's half my age. And he's talking about Messi. And I'm saying, you know, you're in, you, you've been very, like, spoiled over the last few years with these world-class players like Messi and Ronaldo the second. I said, but until... He's won a World Cup. I'm sorry, I just can't hear him in the same breath as Maradona because I'm thinking back to the great Diego Maradona back in the 80s and the 90s. And um, whether or not Argentina win it, who knows? Um, But I was looking at the Croatia game, which is taking place today as well. And Juranovic started um, that match. Are you kind of viewing this, Jared, almost as if Juranovic is in the shop window to a certain level? You, You know, the age of him, is it the right time? for Celtic to be thinking about the player like that, do you think? Yeah, pretty much. He's got one he's got one big move left. He's what, 27, 28, something like that now. So he's pretty much hitting his peak. He hasn't been at a decent level before. So if he can if he's starting for Croatia at the World Cup, he's played had some experience in the Champions League. Yes, he's got a long term contract, so that's good for the club because we can get we can ask for big big money for him. But I don't really see much of a difference between the performance if he's on the pitch or if Ralston's on the pitch. So if that's the case, if he does well at the World Cup and we get a good offer for him, cash in, replace him, and we go again. What do you make of his comments? There's too much being read into these comments that he made in, in relation to the fact that you don't really have to up your game a lot of the time when you're playing in Scotland, Jared. Do you think there's a wee overreaction there? My question is, was the interview done in English or was it done in Croatian? Because there's always that thing that's lost in translation when a South American player goes home, does an interview, and then this is big headline and it's just the bad translation. So for me, is it that or is it... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. 
Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Is there a translation issue or is it actually him saying that? It wouldn't surprise me if he was saying that, but at the same time, I don't know. I just don't, uh, don't see yeah, I think it's been overblown because of the. There's no actual football happening in Scotland at the moment, so I think yeah. they're just looking for a headline. To be honest, uh, the again, I read the transcript, so I don't even know if it was originally in English or not. And it was even then the whether it was, it might have even be mistranslated twice if that's the case because it was not really close to what he was talking about. It was more the more the way I read it was more that there's a nervousness and an anxiety around playing in Europe. Uh, even though it wasn't worded that way, that's the way it kind of came across in the full mm. context. Was that there's, they're more relaxed, uh, meant that they're more anxious in Europe rather than they're they're not taking it easy in Scotland, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. There isn't really that much happening in terms of domestic football, so that's going to be homed in on. They'll make a headline, they'll get the clicks. Um, but when we're talking about Juranovic, it does open up the discussion, you know, the, the clubs or club that's been in, um, interested or, or linked to him. Um, you know, the, the transfer fee, for example, Jared, if we do sell him for big money, I guess the question is, do we then, are we still operating in that... 1.5 to 4.5 million pounds market that and just done some tremendous work in or do we push the boat out and do we go to the Carter Vickers and Jota level 6 million pound player I mean at what point do we change that strategy and bring in someone who's maybe that we step step above some of the players we've brought in albeit we have made some incredible signings within that kind of lower bracket I think for me it's um to make the progress in Europe, you need to get back up into that Jota, Carter, Vickers sort of, sort of spend. However, I don't want to be spending that on every player. I like what teams like Salzburg do where they will sign a ready-made first-team European quality starting player for that 5, 10, 15 million pound range. But then at the same time, they'll buy that, that signing's replacement for 1.5 to 2 million, have them behind them for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So then when the guy that they've signed moves on, you've got a guy ready to step up. So ideally, if we go and spend $6 million on, say if we bring in $20 million for Juranovic, if we invest 10 of that back into the position and go, okay, $6.5 million for that Yang Kuto, for, for instance, and then if we go and spend 
to two and a half million on someone else. If say if you've already got Ralston, so you're fine. But if we didn't have that, you'd then go and buy someone else for that two million whatever mark, and then train him up while the other blokes starting and doing his thing for a couple of years. And then a the couple of years time when that signing, the six million signing guy moves on for 15, 20 million, the next guy that was the two million signing, he's now that six million pound player ready to step into the starting position. That's yeah. how it worked the conveyor belt. I totally agree with that, Sean. Although there will be occasions where you get an opportunity like Kobayashi, where you can pick him up, there's not a transfer fee. Or Matt O'Reilly presents himself for one and a half million quid or something along those lines. But the way that, that Jarrett has shown that kind of evolution of the transfer and the recruitment uh, process, do you think that's something we need to do to get to that kind of European level that we spoke about earlier? Oh, I don't disagree at all because I did, as previously mentioned, that's the kind of the model of these teams. We, what we just have to be cognizant of is that, uh, you know, we demand Europe domestic success every year rather than, uh, European success every second or third year, which is what he's kind of with, with that model that Jared is talking about. Is there is ups and downs with that, whereas we are as uh, a fan base have a, a higher demand of it uh, consistency. So we just have to be wary of that. Uh, one one thing that I do think about sometimes when we are talking about this kind of turnover model of players. Uh, in the past, we have kind of rested on our laurels when we have been successful, you know, refusing to sign players like uh, pay up for players like John McGinn or Stephen Fletcher. Uh, that we would have clearly added quality to the squad just because we felt we were good enough uh, rather than uh, we'd just have to. I think that when you look at successful teams in the past, like, like the most successful teams like Liverpool in the 80s, uh, Man United in the 2000s, uh, you could even say the old Rangers in the kind of 90s. Uh, what he did have was was a lot of turnover, uh, even of good quality players. You would, you know, think of like Man United, like when they sold players like Yap Stam and David Beckham and you're thinking like, yeah. mad? Those are the mm. best best centre-back and best right mid in the world. And then they sell them and go on to win the Champions League a couple of years later with Rooney and Ronaldo. So like, yeah. you ha- there has to be a turnover to keep things fresh. Uh, and you, you, you need to just yeah have clarity to what you're doing and, and, and believe in your mission model, I guess. Absolutely. I, I always remember that uh, pre-season, you, you mentioned Man U, at a time when I was really into English football. And they, they sold a few players. I think there was maybe three, but I can remember two of them. Mark Hughes and uh, Andre Kanchelskis. Not only did they sell them, Sean, but they sold them to uh, teams that were competing with them in the same division. And I remember a lot of questions being asked over uh, Alex Ferguson's kind of thought process behind it. Uh, following that came the the famous or infamous quote from Alan Hansen, you don't win anything with kids. And obviously they went on and won the league with kids who became the class in 92. And you know, I'm thinking back to the comments Andrew's made already in, in the last few weeks and months where he's saying, you know, yeah, get attached to players, hero worship players, but sometimes we're going to just have to let them go because it's all about evolving the team. Um, and it's about a, a process of, you know, feeding the fan base that idea because at first you're thinking, no, I don't want to lose Matt O'Reilly. If someone comes in and buys Jota or Cameron Carter-Vickers before the end of this season it sounds like it's going to be an absolute disaster but the way that Ange works is that you know what, we will replace him 
but it's about having that conveyor belt that Jared spoke about. Um, and I think we're getting to that point now, 18 months in, where he's able to implement that. Whereas when he first came in, it was, you know, hand tied up behind the back, his back and just doing what he had to do um, to get the results. So now it seems as though we've actually settled into a period where we can get the job done and we can do it nice and early. Ryan Kelly comes in to say that uh, Adam Montgomery is still one he has high hopes for. His versatility is something we may need in the future. I'm going to ask quite a few questions on the mid-term report of Jared and Sean in relation to those coming in. Maybe some of the guys that are out on loan, some of the good performers, who do we need to get rid of, and overall how Ange has done. Facebook user, sorry I don't know who that is, but uh, welcome to the show. You reckon that uh, Jens has to get sent back in January. I'll start with that then, Jared. Do we keep Jens even though we've brought Kobayashi in? I'd keep him for the rest of the season, but basically we get towards the end of the year. And then you've got to make a decision because what's the amount we've got to pay to keep keep Jens permanent? Is it four million? Is it six million? I don't know what the actual figure is, but a lot's going to come down to let those two guys go head to head for the left centre back position and see who who wins the starting jersey. And then basically Starfelt and Carter Vickers are battling it out for the right centre back position. There you go, plenty of depth there. But I wouldn't send him back now. No chance. No, I, I would agree with that. And uh, just the other, mm-hmm. the other day, Sean, I, I made a point that you've already made today in relation to Welsh. I'm not quite ready to let him go. I think that um, part of his development would be that he goes out on loan and he gets that regular game time. You know, since he came in, since he was thrown in in that Rangers game, and I know he had played a game before, um, I just feel that it's been a bit stop-start for Stephen Welsh. We've not seen him playing 25 games on the bounce, and I think he needs to go and do that. And some of the deals that were on the table uh, would allow him to go and do that outside of the goldfish bowl of Scottish football yeah. and just go and get game time and, and get that experience. So I, I'm on your I'm on your boat when it comes to that. What's your thoughts on gents, though, Sean? Yeah, for Stephen Welsh, I think uh, a Jack Hendry loan deal to Belgium would be good as long as we don't have any pre-agreed transfer fees where we got shafted on that one last time. Uh, For Jens, he kind of hit the ground running and then he's kind of dragged his feet a little bit since, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Uh, There is a little... There's definitely some flaws in his game, and I'm really, as Jared said, I I would want to know what the cost is. And another thing is that he kind of came in as Matt Riley's mate so if Matt Riley's leaving, uh, do we want to be keeping Jens about? Uh, that was I'm not sure if that's a kind of two for deal. Uh, we we have quite a lot of those sometimes. And, and can I, I'm just going to connect a couple of things that we we talked about together earlier. So we're talking about like, is it time to move Juranovic on because he's 27, peak value, having a great time? Uh, and we're also talking concurrently about you know bringing in more quality, fresh faces in one of the areas we struggled in in the Champions League was finishing. Uh, is it time this window or the next one to move on Jack and Marcus? Interesting uh, question because I think that um, one of the questions I was going to ask later on is, is he being underused um, and what does that do to a player? Um, I think when you look at his age, that there is going to be a ceiling um, with Yakamakis at Celtic. Um, if we were to... I'll throw it back if we were to get a, a bid, let's say, of eight or nine million quid from. Would you take it, Sean? That's exactly the figure I had in my head. It was eight to ten million when I was when I was bringing it up, and I I think I would, to be honest, mm. and I would trust Ange to have someone lined up in the the three, four, five million range to come in, uh, younger age, and do 
I don't, probably wouldn't do the probably wouldn't do a better job immediately. But if we've got Kyogo there as number one until he's ready to do a better job, uh, whoever the new face is, then uh, surely that's the model that we, we should be on. I mean, I, I love Jackamack as I do. I think he's a great player. But if we want to be on this player trading model, he's twenty seven. Yuranovich is twenty seven. If you're going to be trying to turn players for a profit, that's the kind of age you have to start moving them on. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting uh, debate, Jared. Where do you sit on that one uh, with regards to Yakamakis? I mean, I don't want to start tearing this team up. Um, but if a bid indeed was to come in, and apparently there has been some interest in the player, um, eight, nine, ten million, is that something the club would consider, do you think? I think they'd consider it, but whoever we bring in to replace him, if we did sell him, has to be good at taking penalties. <laughs> Good point. Absolutely. I'll tell you one guy who was good at taking penalties, and that was Musa Dembele. Fuji's Tona would love to see Musa back, but can't see it happening, unfortunately. The point I would maybe throw into the mix with, with Musa is we've spoken a, a wee bit about how um, Ange doesn't necessarily go for the marquee signings. I mean, Carter and Jota, to a degree, were marquee signs, but we knew what we were getting because he'd been here for a year. But we don't go for that kind of player. And I think it was Liam was talking about the fact he builds a team. He doesn't build it around a talisman so that when that talisman or that marquee player leaves, there's a massive gaping hole there. And I don't. I think if Dembele came in, he would be like a marquee signing. Um, and it might go against Kenny Angie's ideal, Sean. Would that hold him back if the player was presented to him, do you think? Uh, I think he looks beyond that sort of thing beyond uh, the the marquee ideal and he would look at the character of the player and what he could bring to the team rather than uh, I don't think he'd be too concerned about uh, what the press is going to say uh, and so on and so forth because uh, to be honest when you talk about a player being marquee that's that's what it is really isn't it uh, and I, I trust Ange to, to get the depth and the background on any player that he does bring in to uh, yeah so in look Andrew said no to a player that Celtic fans regularly clamour for every summer for some reason still uh, in Paddy Roberts. Mm. Uh, he was offered to him and, he, and he's just said no and that was based on character rather than ability or uh, maybe character is not the right word but it's something not ability based. And uh, so yeah, I would trust Ange to assess that appropriately because we all love him and we know his ability. I definitely, I think I, you know that was a very interesting one. He was speaking about that conversation that he had, and we'd heard that you know the the tale of Joe Hart's conversation, and it came down to whether or not Ange bought into him, as like you say, as a character, as a personality. Is he going to fit in? Uh, the urban coaches brought up a very good point. Anybody mentioning that O'Reilly's going to leave has to get a three month <laughs> ban from the chat. Listen, I, I totally endorse that. Um, the DJ of choice, I'd keep Yakimakis before Kyogo. Yakimakis is a more clinical finisher and he gives height uh, good point what's up with 27 year olds listen I wish I was still 27 Beach <laughs> he's just here for God's sake yeah it's hardly um, you know the, the twilight of a player's career I want to run through the half term report Jared uh, some of these are kind of quick fire uh, questions but we will, we will run through the, the squad in sections I want to start off with the transfers in the players that we've brought into the club not including Kobayashi, we've not seen him uh, for Celtic yet. The three loans to permanent deals, Maeda, Carter Vickers and Yota. I mean, my take on that is that 
Maeda obviously has had a bit of a, a patchy season for Celtic, but he's at the World Cup. He's spoken about uh, Kiel's influence on him. I think he'll overcome any inconsistencies. Carter Vickers, I thought, has been a rock every time he's played, and he's only going to get better. And Yota, I think, has been better this season than last, but the best is still yet to come. And these three players, we're talking about guys leaving the club I don't think it's going to be the right time for any of those three players, for sure. But what what you made of the three loanees that have been made permanent so far, Jared? Two thumbs up from me. Superb. Happy with it. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'll tell you what, um, it's not always been the case. Sean, what's been your take on those three guys? We knew what we were getting with them. Yeah, and another thing to consider is if we hadn't won the league last year, uh, we didn't have champion automatic Champions League. Did these guys sign? Uh, I think Car- I don't know. I mean, Carter Vickers in a World Cup year, maybe not uh, in a World in a non World Cup year, probably. Jota is such a hard person to read. He looks like he absolutely loves Celtic. Like he looks like he loves the fans and he loves being here and he just loves the kind of lifestyle that he's found and the love. Uh, but he just waited until the last minute to sign, so he just kept his all on tenter hooks. Do you know what I mean? So he's holiday, Sean. He's on an extra holiday. <laughs> but he was like in Sydney. He was the last one off the pitch. You know what I mean? He was up he's practically stripping himself naked to give stuff to the fans. I mean, he he is well into this uh, Celtic culture. I think he's one of the ones uh, that, that when they leave and they want, they will always look back and they always keep an eye out for us and stuff like that. I just look at him now and I think he's done the, the Champions League thing. He's scored at that, at that level. People even criticised him for celebrating the way that he did. He's just scored against Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. I mean, in terms of a, of a personal accolade, he, you know, and you're looking at your own progress as a player, he comes to Celtic, he now plays in the Champions League, he now scores at that level. Of course he's going to celebrate it. I made comparisons between his love of, of Ronaldo and, and all that kind of stuff. The fact he's probably watched on the TV Ronaldo scoring free kicks at the Bernabeu. Um, it almost made it into the World Cup squad. That would have been phenomenal for Jota. But you're right, he did keep us hanging for a wee while, Sean, that's for sure. Um, Susan Finlay, going back to the yakamakis Kyogo debate, thinks that uh, Yakamakis should be played before Kyogo. Susan, is that because... You know, he's got a very distinctive celebration when he scores goals as <laughs> Yakamakis. Let us know. Um, tops off. Tops off, absolutely. Um, I'll be keeping Ming on, actually. Uh, I think I might have a hey, wee cold developing. If I look like that, I'd have been top off every day. I'm telling you, I wouldn't even be wearing a top right now, let's be honest. <laughs> I, exactly. Yeah, why not? I'm not sure if any of the Axom contributors um, are at that stage, but that's fine. I mean, he's a superhuman, is Yakamakis. Seagrist came in um, and you know I don't think I expected him to play much more than he did to be fair Sean but I am looking at him and I'm thinking with the heart situation is Seagrass the player that you know maybe next season will be pushing far more for a, a first team berth I think you've got that spot on there uh, uh, <laughs> Joe Hart I still like I still love Joe Hart uh, just not just don't think he's just a great keeper but his leadership qualities as well uh, but the one player that is impressed, he's really impressed me, Seagrass, to be honest, when he's played in the League Cup and uh, in Sydney. And to the point where, some, you know, when you, you get to the League Cup final, fingers crossed, and you have this debate about, oh, do you bring Joe Hart back in or do you keep the, the backup in that's played in every round? To, I'd be very comfortable keeping Seagrass in for the final. Uh, I think he's been excellent in every game he's played. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, to be fair. And I think... 
Not because I, I wasn't totally buying into the, the Joe Hart, um, drop Joe Hart debate because I actually said on, on Axom, Jared, that, you know, goalkeepers have to play through that. The worst thing you could possibly do is drop them. How do you then bring them back in? Um, Segrist has performed well when, he, when he's come in. Um, and I would expect if, if we do get through the semi-final, I would expect Segrist to start the final. Jared, I'm getting ahead of myself, I get that. Uh, but what do you see about Segrist? We've had keepers in the past who have always been, you know, backup. Zaluska comes to mind. He, you know, we signed him as a backup. He was always going to be a backup. I don't get the impression that that's why we brought Segrist in. Segrist isn't, is a backup only because of Joe Hart. Like Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Seriously, we saw, we saw how good he was. He's probably one of the best keepers in the league, like last year anyway. And... For me, looking at him, seeing him in, in the flesh on Sunday, he's a lot bigger. He's got that, just the size about him and the presence. He's got that Fraser Forster signed a presence about him when you see him walking around in front of the goals. You like look at him and go, okay, it looks like he's ready to go. And he's, he just gives you that confidence just looking at him. So for me, I'd be like, if Joe Hart is the keeper this year, Segrist can still keep playing the Cups. Next year, I'd like to see Segrist for the next year or two stepping up into that starting role. Hopefully, next two years, we'll have Toby out on loan somewhere. And then when the time's right, Toby comes in to be our long-term number one for five-year period at least. That's what I think the plan is, and that's what I hope happens. But, yeah. I do hope that uh, also. Bernabe is another player. His uh, country didn't do too well yesterday, Sean. Um some people have criticised his defensive kind of attributes so far. He's up against a guy in Greg Taylor who is in the form of his life. But I still understand the sign and I still think, right, we've got two guys at left back who domestically, at least at this stage, I would be pretty comfortable with. Um, I don't know at the moment if, if uh, Bernabe is ready for the step up. There's been a couple of wee things that's gone on. I mean, the, the handball against Dundee United and he's had to be hooked at half-time because he was on a booking. Um, but Bernabe, you know, I, I wouldn't say hit or miss. I would just say he's done what we would expect and there's no way he's going to get more game time if Taylor is playing it the way that Taylor's playing. I think he's just shown uh, flashes in terms of his offensive ability. He's shown that he's, he can carry the ball really well. He's capable of putting in a great cross, with great pace, great power, accuracy. I think his defensive positioning is so suspect at times, though. Uh, but luckily, that's something that can be taught, and I, I feel like that's probably when they're talking about 
gain an advantage in the transfer market. That's probably the sort of things they're talking about, where they, they're picking players that have something that's hard to train and then saying, right, we can train them on this other stuff, uh, you know, like positioning, physicality. Uh, and, and the one the other thing that he's a bit weak with is, 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 uh, is passing is a bit poor at times. But, uh, I, yeah, as you say, at the stage he's at, he's just shown promise and he's definitely not someone I'm comfortable with yet. But it took, what, how, how many years till everyone was comfortable with Craig Taylor? Two, maybe three? Yeah, exactly. Cal- Callum McGregor, the same. Even players that come in that are like some of the biggest players we've ever had, like Victor Ranyama, nobody rated him for a year. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, Callum McGregor, two, two and a half years in the team before anyone rated him. So I'm not killing him. I just think uh, he's got a long way to go uh, to be uh, Greg Taylor levels, which sounds ridiculous to say from you know where we've been with Greg Taylor in the last couple of years. It has been a real turnaround. There has been some Axom contributors that have supported Taylor from the beginning of our show. And I need a big shout out to Brian Degnan and Amy Canavan, Colin Watt, Lawrence Conley. They've, they've loved them from day one. They're part of the Greg Taylor fan club uh, at Axom. But, you know, going back to a point you made earlier, Jared, where you bring in a guy that's the understudy almost of the, the first teamer, Bernabe, you know, just be patient. You know, if it's this season and next season, but he's learning all the time, improving and progressing. And I think Angie's been pretty good at giving him game time as well. Maybe not at the very beginning, but he is. He's throwing him in for games now. He's giving Greg Taylor a rest. Are you quite happy with his progression since he came in? That's one thing Angie's good at is developing players with a long-term plan and seeing, as I we was saying before, like Taylor is the is the starting level left back. But yeah, bringing in Bernabe who can jump in, do the job, yeah, he's not quite as good defensively as Taylor is, but he's got his own strengths, and it's just a matter of developing him, drip-feeding him in like he's been doing, and not just Bernabe having to show the patience to get in those games, but also us as a fan base, we need to not expect every player to hit the hit the ground running. Like I, We'll constantly bring it up, but if Larson debuted now... He would have been ripped to shreds after two games. So yeah, imagine Twitter, Jared, back then. Meltdown. Wow. <laughs> the post match after the Easter Road 2 1 defeat. And that was, I mean, we went on to get beat for Dunfermline the first two games of the season. Hibs away, Dunfermline. We got beaten in both of them. Vim Jansen just in the door. Larson's giving away goals. It would have been absolute meltdown. If, Didn't uh, it take uh, John Hartson 10 games to score a goal as well? Something like that. It took him a while, yeah. Took him a while to yeah. settle. You're absolutely right. And I, I think one, though, that I'll quickly want to jump in on was when Griffiths was out for that first derby under Rogers and Dembele came in and all the meltdown was, who's this guy? He's, he's a nothing, blah, blah, blah. And he comes in with a perfect hat-trick. Like, come on. Give him a chance. Yeah, the arrival. Let's get back on to talk about Dembele coming back. Um, we've spoke about Jens and whether or not we're going to make that permanent. We shall see. I've been overall pretty impressed with him. What about Aaron Moy? Aaron Moy's playing against the world champions yesterday. When he came in, Sean, there was a lot of Celtic fans. There was a lot of platforms um, underwhelmed by signing. I thought we were pretty balanced on Axom. Um, how's he done since he's came in? Yeah, I can sum it up in seven words. Uh, better than McCarthy, would rather have Rogic. So that's <laughs> pretty much what I think about Moy. Uh, I think uh, 
I'm worried. I'm concerned his motivation levels might drop uh, after the World Cup, since that's been his clear target for these last few months. And he's done better when he's not had the pressure of being in that number six role. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm concerned if he's in our starting lineup uh, long term. But you know, I'm happy he's contributed. He's done well. He's been effective. He's filled not filled the void, but he's done. He's mitigated the void of Tom Rogic leaving. And I would have definitely have had to, preferred to have had Tom Rogic in there. To be honest, yeah, still miss Tommy actually. Uh, Jared, you you although you had the knowledge, Umoy, you were never a, a massive fan of him. If I'm right, when he signed for Celtic, has he changed your opinion of him? Still looks weird in a Celtic top. <laughs> nah. Oh, look, he's doing the job. So I'll give him credit where it's due. Like when he's been played, he's he's doing what's expected of him. So it's great. But we're talking about we'd rather have Rogic. But the way I look at it is Moy coming in is more us finally replacing Stuart Armstrong when he left. It's that sort of player who can play as a six, can play as an eight, can push forward a bit if need be. He's not a direct replacement for Rogic. So the fact of the matter is we're missing Tom big time at the moment because we don't have that anyone in that role who can get those thread the needle in the 10 role. So, yeah, Moy's doing the job that he's been brought in to do. But, yeah, I think to get to the next level, he'll, he'll be moving on. He'll have to move on eventually. But he can stay the rest of the season at least. Like Talking about next level, uh, one player that I think is going to develop into a player that can take us to that next level is Haksabanovic, Sean. I've been very impressed. Um, every time he gets interviewed, uh, James McC- uh, McKenzie, uh, Axom has spoken to him and he always underlines the fact he's not there yet. He's not quite sharp enough. He's not fit enough. But I think we've seen enough to know that if he continues to progress and he's able to get enough game time, he will be a very special player for us. I think he'll be big in the second half of the season as well. Yeah, we don't have too many players with that kind of clear level of class, technical ability, physicality. Uh, the weight he can put on a pass is incredible. Uh, and but you're right, he does look, he's been very inconsistent, uh, which is something a lot of wingers suffer with. But it was also, uh, it's also kind of coming in from the cold uh, is going to be something to do with that as well. And I hope he goes away, gets a, a, a couple of days off, comes back, gets a, a kind of mini preseason and, and absolutely kills it in the second half of the year uh, with no European uh, football breaking into the week as well. Yeah, what about Haksabanovic? Do you think he'll, he'll turn into one of the signings of the summer, Jared? I think it's a great signing for us, but like what I noticed on the weekend is that, okay, the amount, he didn't really play great with the ball, but on the other side, his work rate defensively. So if he thinks he's not there yet and the amount of work he's doing off the ball, then I'm good with that because the attacking play will come. But he's got the right the right mindset and he's willing to grind and he's willing to work. So, yeah, I'm happy for him. Good signing. Yeah, definitely. One final uh, signing I want to briefly talk about is uh, Abelgar, who, um, you know, he's been spoken about by Ange as being like a slow burner. Um, so, you know, for, for the circumstances that we're aware of, Sean, he wasn't able to train uh, as intensely with a group of players. Um it's taken him a wee while to get the game time. Do you think he's, again, someone who might play a part or, or a bigger part, at least, in the second half of the season? Uh, I'm not too sure, to be honest, but we'll see. I kinda, it kind of might depend on injuries. It sounds really 
like a really facile thing to say that because you know he's good in the air because you know he's six foot four, but he is good in the air. I've never seen anyone head a ball fifty yards before, but I seen Abu Gard do it in uh, whatever game it, I can't remember what domestic game it was now. Uh, he can head a ball not just because he's tall, but he can put power on it as well. So he could get a chance in some of these stuffy games. Uh, you know, Patoji away is really the sort of game that comes to mind and I don't think he will play Patoji away in our first game back but that's the sort of game where near Bitton would always come into the team because yeah. the, the ball would spend a lot of time in the air in the middle of the pitch like not just in the boxes but in the middle of the pitch and you kind of it's good to have a bit of physicality and height in those sort of games Yeah, I mean Jared, I feel unfair criticising the boy because I don't think he's played enough um, do you think he will be a, a, an asset uh, bringing the, the attributes to the game that, that Sean's described there? Hard to tell. Like, with based on his what he's done in the past and everything he's done, on paper he seems like the right player. Hmm. But at the moment, because with his season being shut down and all the stuff with going on in Russia and all this, he was a mile off where he should have been. So I don't really know if he's better than what we've got in terms of, okay, if you're going to have Moy playing in that role, if you're going to have O'Reilly playing there. And the fact that O'Reilly's dropped from the 10 back to the 6 while Calmack's been out, that that makes me worry about it and ask questions. Mm-hmm. I've got two very quick questions to finish off then. We have 10 players shown out on loan. Barkas, Scales, Montgomery, Sorrow, Urugidi, Ben Wiley, Kenny, Ayeti, Shaw and Mikey Johnston. If one player is going to come back and make an impact at Celtic from that 10, who will it be? Mikey Johnston, easy. Mikey Johnston. Jared? Scales. Oh, nice, nice. And finally, if we're giving a report card to Ange Postacoglu, Sean, what do you give him? Um, Half-term report card out of 10. Uh, nine, nine or nine and a half. It's hard. I, I can't give him ten because of Europe, but uh, yeah, nine, nine out of ten. He's been sensational. Nine out of ten. We're nine points ahead. That's a good uh, uh, link there, Jared. We're nine points ahead. We've we've seen off a, a gaffer over at Ibrox. We're in the semi-finals of the League Cup. What mark do you give Ange Postecoglou in the first half of the season? I'd give him. I'd give him an eight and a half or a nine, but. Knowing Ange and history that, he'd probably only be giving himself a seven because, you know, there's always room for improvement. I love that. Listen, thanks everybody for bearing with me. Yes, I've had a croaky throat today. No idea why. Hopefully it'll be back in action tomorrow uh, fully fit. Thank you uh, to our friends from Celtic Down Under, Sean and Jared. Please rejoin us tomorrow at 12.30 for a Celtic state of mind. Yeah, well. Phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.